Hey, what's going on, guys? We have an awesome guest today. He was really cool. It was a great conversation. I had a blast talking with him. It's easy to see how passionate he is about riding motorcycles. Um, that's really all there is to say. His wife, Brianna, was actually in studio with us, too. So if you see us looking off camera or hear us kind of talking off mic or hear a third voice, it was her. All right, and without further ado, please give it up for Alex Smith. How long have you been doing this? Um, so what in particular do you mean by this? Oh, I mean, you're a man of many talents. You <laughs> do, are you a sponsored stuntman? Um, at the moment I am. Um, I think I have like five sponsors. Okay. Um, became an ambassador for one, uh, right away. And that kind of fueled my, you know, desire to keep going with that. Did that come first or you had always been riding bikes and then just picked those um, up later on? Well, when I was really young, I, I uh, kind of was you know, frightened at first because my stepdad was a professional rider and I would go watch him race when I was real young and he would win all the time and I would see him just roost all over people and he was so fast it looked like he was out of control, you know, but it was so controlled. Um, it just really sparked my interest when I was young. So as soon as he put me on a bike, um, I, I fell in love with it. <laughs> um, among a bunch of other things, you know, I, I love skateboarding, mostly, um, you know, individual person sports, you know, like skateboarding, yeah. snowboarding, um, surfing. You know, I picked up a lot of it um, really naturally as I was young, um, not in a competitive way. You know, it just was very natural. You know, I would skateboard with my older brother who had more experience and time behind things, and I would, you know, leapfrog him, <laughs> and it, he'd get all upset, and that's when I realized I had you know, more talent than the average person, um, you know, balance wise and just understanding, you know, physics and stuff, you know, and what, um, the thing I'm riding is capable of, you know, in general. And when um, you say that he did racing motocross or um, he did street, street racing. Okay. So, um, first, um, experience with the motorcycles was he, uh, was a speedway racer. So flat track, okay. you know, off road style, but you know, pitched sideways the whole time yeah um and he i think he took second in the nationals one time um and then also was an ama racer um with street bikes and rode a 98 gsxr 750 oh, nice. you know, on the track full time but his bike was always at home so i'd sit there and stare at it in the garage of course and he'd start it all the time and do maintenance and uh, one time he took me to school on it when i was I think middle school you know pretty young there's no seat on the back of it it's a race bike but you know we were late and uh had to get there quick so you know right down the double yellows <laughs> in between all the cars when i was really young and i was just petrified at first but i got there just thinking about it all day at school you know being like man that that was amazing you know <laughs> really i could do that every day you know thought and to for myself, a kid, come on to be just yeah. hauling ass like that yeah of course i pull up i'm in a small high school in mendocino california down there and um you know this nobody out front of the school when i pull up on this amazing motorcycle i'm just like where is was, everybody somebody yeah, I'm like, fire somebody alarm. someone no one yeah that was awesome you know i thought to myself and um as soon as i was old enough and capable of gathering some money um 
I think I was uh, 18, I bought my first street bike. Um, I got a GS 500. Um, I didn't want to start with a full-on Repla race bike, you know, known from previous riding, um, dirt bikes and stuff growing up that, you know, I didn't want to start on something too huge and hurt myself. Um, so I started with the GS 500 and, uh, wrecked a bunch of times, <laughs> learned a bunch of stuff, all the in and outs of just basic traffic and street riding. Um, and I had a lot of, uh, mentors in a way cause, um, I was riding in Shelter Cove and there was a few really experienced professional riders that, um, came from that area. So I got the chance to ride with them a few times and get some pointers early on, um, which helped dramatically, you know, like compared to other people's learning that don't have a coach or a mentor, you just, I was already advanced, you know, with, uh, like I said, talent. Um, all I needed was a few pointers. And so then my next bike was an R1. Um, I had a bunch of fun with that thing, but I broke my back down in Willits. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Um, you'd think to most people that'd probably be a wake up call, but, um, but another bike immediately, as <laughs> soon as I could stand. <laughs> Total the bike then. Yep. Obviously, if you broke your back, that's a yep. safe bet. And unfortunately, I was on my way to sell it right then. <laughs> to, oh, no I had shit. to call the buyer and be like, I'm laying on the side of the road. I think the bike's probably done for. <laughs> this is probably not going to work out. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you can go get it from the tow shop if you like. <laughs> oh. I, mean, I offered it to him for free. I think he did go get it. I think he paid them 500 bucks and uh, went and got it as a parts bike. What happened? Just laid um, it down or... Well, at this time, I was early on, you know, there wasn't so much uh, camera footage out at this point, and uh, police activity was a bit different than it is now. Um, I'd say there's more leniency against motorcycles now than there was back then. So I carried a backpack with duct tape and would duct tape my license plate, you know, when I was going anywhere that was out of my little local town because I didn't want them to, you know, see me doing something I shouldn't. When you leave town is your opportunity to do something where the cops don't recognize you on a motorcycle you know so um, I got to a construction zone um, and I didn't want to get seen with the duct tape on my license plate so I am going along the side of the cars but in between the oncoming traffic and my lane and um, I was just about to get to the last vehicle where the guy was up there with the sign and I was probably three or four cars away and he turned it to the slow and all of a sudden traffic starts moving um, but I'm doing like 50 over in the construction lane, um, you know, the spot where I'm kind of not supposed to be. Um, and so traffic starts moving along with me. They're going maybe 15 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. And there's a sharp turn right after the um, construction worker with the sign. And first vehicle that comes the other way is a semi truck. And I'm in its lane and doing, you know, maybe 30 miles an hour more than the traffic that I'm immediately next to. So um, I tried to hug in between all the vehicles, but I didn't get there, and I hit the back of a forerunner and uh, ejected over it and landed in the other lane anyways because of the turn. <laughs> um, just missing the semi, but I did hit um, another car uh, with my head, and I believe that's what broke my back. Uh, don't necessarily know what part of the impact, you know, broke the back because, you know, I hit the ground real hard after the uh, ejecta over the vehicle, but um, sounds real bad, but to be honest, I was gonna say, you know, it I, doesn't sound I, good. I felt, like, I felt like I could stand right up. I just didn't want to because I didn't know how bad my injuries were, you know, 
Did you try to get up? No, you stayed right No, there. I was, in fact, um, when I landed off the bike, um, I tried to hug into a fetal position out of some sort of instinct. Um, I was skipping down the road, you know, and um, I was on my side, and the bumper and front tire of the, it was a, I think it was a little Honda uh, Civic or something, uh, hit my helmet, and it spun my feet under the rear wheels. Um, so my feet got run over, and it didn't break my ankle, but um, it did show bone. You know, it was uh, open wounds and stuff, and a lot of spraining. So that was uh, probably the worst part of the. Actual. Your bone was sticking out. Um, not necessarily sticking out, but it was exposed okay. on the ankles. But uh, it didn't break anything. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. It had a quite large uh, hole that went through the heel too, and uh, one portion of it through a quarter of it, and I still uh, don't have nerve, you know, feeling in that portion of my foot there a little awkward when i dance but other than that <laughs> you know just let me know if i'm standing on her foot but <laughs> um yeah that was probably uh the first wake-up call like wreck wise that um really puts things into perspective of what can happen really quickly you know i uh, had a lot of confidence and was a cocky rider had gone down plenty of times before that but never uh an instant stop like that. In fact, the vehicle was traveling the other way, not too fast, but it was enough to reboot me, you know, like brain-wise, uh, where am I, what am I doing? Oh yeah, I was riding, oh yeah, wreck. <laughs> Probably shouldn't move, um, but I, like I said, I landed in the fetal position. It did hit my head and then spun my feet under it. Um, so immediately I tucked even further into the fetal position because my feet got hurt. Um, it took my shoes, both of them off and stuff. So it was just a you know bare skin exposed right there immediately. You could see blood dripping out of my feet. Um, so I tried not to move much. Um, so they did have to cut all my gear off at that point and put me on a gurney. And I did have some back pain. Um, I also I do have a broken neck, and I don't actually know when that happened. <laughs> Wrecked a lot of times. I've somewhere gone unconscious a couple times, you know, in wrecks and stuff. And uh, somewhere along the way, I broke my neck. It, it may have actually been that same accident and i just didn't uh, know that i had done it or had didn't get x-rays on my neck at that point um also healthcare wasn't that great back then <laughs> they let me out of the hospital um i did have some fractures in my ankle and they just let me out with a air cast you know this i don't know if you know what that is i don't <laughs> you fold it up on both sides it's got some velcro that you can tighten around the sides and then it's got a little port for a bicycle pump and you pump it up <laughs> supposed oh, to wow. keep your foot in place but um at that point back then i didn't have insurance and uh, i was on the state whatever they had and um they basically when they found that out is when they came and were like we're gonna let you go right now and i was like right now it's been like two hours since i got in the wreck you know <laughs> they just got the x-rays back from the back and stuff and we're like there's some fractures you're gonna be real sore for a while there's not much we can do you know let us know if it gets worse yada yada the basic um you know discharge that must have been so crazy two hours in and you're getting kicked out so i'm like all right well i mean if i'm fine i'm fine you know i'm thinking but man it was i don't know if i would laugh i'd be like listen we gotta i don't think i'm fine i don't know if you guys really looked at the x-ray but yeah i mean hit by a couple cars there yeah it was um i don't think that people really can judge um the extent of injuries, I think their initial reaction, even doctors and, and medical professionals, their initial reaction is um, what they can physically see. You know, um, it's not too often that they just assume you're not having swelling and it might be broken in there. <laughs> um, you know, 
95% of the time there's significant swelling, purple, you know, but um, I sometimes don't swell up and something will be broken and I don't even know myself. <laughs> so um, I don't know to even ask them to check for that. Um, you know, fractures in my hands and fractures in my uh, feet and stuff from minor accidents over the years. What was the rehab like on that? Um, well, Were you walking so, fine? And... <laughs> no. So um had major injuries on my foot. Um, it swelled up immensely you know um the wounds were pretty bad in the uh small soft t- tissues and uh, ligaments and stuff in my ankle it basically you know smushed it real flat um uh, didn't didn't do too much to the bones so everything kind of went jello and then came back um, but it just stretched and messed everything up um still have permanent damage in a way in that foot um you know muscles that are painful to pull on you know um, compared to the other foot um, I did have uh, quite quite the holes <laughs> in the foot because of uh, the car running it over. Um, it just smushed it, and there was some gravel at that in that spot in the road because it was a construction zone. So some of the gravel actually got shoved all the way through my foot because <laughs> of how flat it got. Uh, so those holes all the way through it, you know, <laughs> in some spots. That's why there's uh, the damage in the heel. So uh, what was... a crazy. <laughs> What a crazy, I mean, it, as if the crash wasn't bad enough to hit a car and then have another car hit you and to yeah. get, spun, I mean, what if the car went over your, I don't know what your helmet was rated, but if it went over your helmet, that's, you know, that was the first thing I noticed after the wreck was my bike had landed on its wheels again and I watched it roll up 20 feet or so on the road, get a little squirrely as it slowed down and fall off a massive hill about 200 feet. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And then I saw my visor to my helmet come fluttering out of the ground like some kind of leaf <laughs> and i realized wow my head got banged pretty hard if that's my visor you know my windscreen <laughs> and uh i realized i probably shouldn't move i was like wow that was a ricochet effect you know bounced me around quite a bit and uh you, you kind of go into an instant shock so you don't really remember what happened right away all the stuff um so you know probably best not to move like i said during situations like that uh like not the only wreck i've had i've woken up uh, another time out in shelter cove with that gs 500 um i don't think that the actual physical injuries were terrible but i did go unconscious um i was doing some wheelies up a hill and it was after a fresh rain and i hit some needles and it before you know it i was horizontal sideways um i think uh, the a lot of the reason i didn't get damage to my left leg where I laid out over into my hip was because I had a helmet buckled to the back of my bike. Mm. So the handlebar, the peg, and the helmet kind of created this gap for me to slide under the bike. Um, but the kickstand caught, and that's like the last thing I remember <laughs> flipping through the air. The kickstand caught, and it flung both me and the bike. You know, um, I remember just seeing the sky on the ground and then waking up to this uh, van, my neighbor pulling up, <laughs> which uh, the houses are you know, a good quarter mile away, and I'm just, you know, Tweety Bird's waking up all nice, it's all sunny out after a nice rain, and then it comes back to me, oh yeah, I was riding a motorcycle, oh yeah, I'm laying on the side of the road here, how long I've been laying here, you know, <laughs> and um, and then I went to go, you know, move, so I started with my hands you know, and feet, and I'm like, oh, everything's moving, feels okay, um, and I realized I was pinned up against a telephone pole with my back, but 
Um, I wasn't going too fast during the wheelie. You would think it was a first gear wheelie, so, you know, around 30 miles an hour. So I knew I couldn't have hit it too hard. So I wasn't too worried about back injuries. I was just more like, wow, how did I end up over here pinned in this ditch up against a telephone pole? And um, I looked over, and my bike was actually on fire. I couldn't really tell because I couldn't see the flames in the daylight, uh, you know, so bright out. But the magnesium had caught fire. Um, on the side of the bike, uh, and magnesium is really hard to put out. So first thing I did is try and grab this dirt and put out my motorcycle engine that's on fire, and the dirt wouldn't put it out. I'd, I'd pull it off, and the, I could still see the metal bubbling and melting, and I'm wondering what's going on. And then I realized it was it was still on fire, and it took a lot longer and a lot more wet soil to put it out. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. And so you're just over there. You just woken up, yep. up against the telephone pole, and your first thought is, "Oh man, I gotta put yep. this fire the out." Neighbors like, just, You're over here laughing. I'm thinking that's the neighbors. That would have been enough for me. <laughs> I would have probably stopped. Thought, okay, maybe we need to reevaluate kind of our choices right here. Taking that moment, decompressed. It, every motorcyclist' first reaction: my bike. <laughs> How's yeah. my bike? And you see it on fire. Um, I snap to action. You know. <laughs> Go put that thing out. I'm still on a ride, you know. Jesus. <laughs> if I'm okay, of course I'm going to get up and continue riding, you know. Um, so the neighbor gets out just baffled looking, sees me get up, you know. He's trying to tell me, well, don't move, I'll you okay? From his perspective, he just walks outside and there's this guy leaning up against the telephone pole, bike on fire. Yeah, actually he tells me that he heard the wreck. Um, oh, and then so he says out. he heard the wreck, waited for a little while, didn't hear anything. So he said he was sitting on his porch drinking some coffee that morning. <laughs> And uh, like I said, it was a neighbor I knew him, a surfing buddy. Um, and he, he pulls up and he's just, you know, really nice guy. Super meek, very quiet. You know, he's like, man, are you okay? You, you just don't move. And I'm just amped still. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to ride again. Hop, hop back on my bike. He's like, are you, are you sure? Part, part of my engine had fallen off the, the casing on that side. So it had an exposed stator coil which is spinning when the engine is running so i start the bike and he sees moving parts and he's like yo just don't don't know you should just just go home and i'm like oh, i'm out of here i'm good bro you know take off go to work um i didn't realize i actually had broken my foot <laughs> so by the time i got to work about five minutes later my foot had swollen up so much i couldn't get my shoe off <laughs> uh, i had to cut it off with some you know extreme uh, some some of those penny cutting scissors you know <laughs> real strong scissors and uh yeah cut cut it open realized i probably shouldn't be at work I had to go home early that day but, yeah. you did you stay at work for a little while uh, go a home couple early. hours wow a little bit, just to see if it felt broken or not and it oh just was. to test it yeah. out yeah i mean you want to be sure you don't want to yeah, I mean, clock out for nothing it's just a little sore i mean i'm good damn <laughs> yeah that was a that was not not much of a wake-up call for me i guess because uh you know because it still hopped right on the bike, <laughs> you know, didn't didn't do much. <laughs> that is so crazy. That is so crazy. And so the one that you did, you hit those two cars. Mm-hmm. That one was a bit of a wake up call. Yeah, How long definitely. before you got back on a bike? Well, I couldn't walk for a little while, a while myself. So I was uh, I was actually staying at my aunt's house close to where the wreck happened because uh, that's where you know, it was closest family relative and. Uh, my aunt Christina came and picked me up, so standing at her house, and I was hoping I'd be able to walk in a day or two. But it was a good couple of weeks before I was okay. You know, just lots of uh, internal pain, um, hip hip pain was real bad and stuff, deep bruising. 
um, and the foot would swell up real bad if I stood up because the blood would rush to it. Uh, so it took quite a while till I was uh, on my own again. But uh, as soon as I was, like I said, I bought another street bike. <laughs> um, I think I bought a, a Ninja 600. I stepped it down a little bit. <laughs> Went to a 600 for a while. Um, Played it safe, just mm, to be sure. You know, wrecked a bunch more times. <laughs> Had a blast. Learned a bit more about um, the technical side of street riding and you know what can happen <laughs> you know and how to avoid certain situations and better positions for your body to set up for emergencies and you know things that are unexpected that happen when you're street riding because anything can happen <laughs> a couple of days ago i was riding um if you follow my uh instagram stuff i posted a wheelie video uh, borrowed a friend's bike a couple of days ago and uh, that same day a hawk literally came swooping down i'm doing over 100 just coming back from the avenue of the giants and i'm by the college of the redwoods there Tompkins hill over there along that little side road and this hawk flies so close that it touches my jacket and just does this huge swoop it was so close and i had you know trail of people behind me all just baffled you know and it's something you just would never expect in a wide open field i didn't see the hawk anywhere it had just dropped off of a telephone line right then to catch something you know at the same moment that i was coming down the road and you know i spooked it so much that it swooped into me you know in the direction that i was going rather than away from it you know panicked as much as i did <laughs> no time to move no time to adjust just a almost impact you know um, that stuff happens pretty often street riding especially if you're ride aggressive which i do so yeah jesus no, and no second thought once you got moving again yep. like, yeah nope. i think we need another bike yeah pretty much <laughs> um i was in fact i was you know secretly without telling my family i'm sitting there looking at stuff on craigslist already for sale looking at every bike i can find seeing what's close enough for me to get to easily <laughs> and is affordable and cheap uh, you know pretty uh savvy with mechanic work so i would get stuff that sometimes needed a little bit of work for real cheap something that someone else had wrecked and uh build it back up so i could get something to ride um so i've had hundreds of bikes at this point and you know not not opposed to helping other people you know find their little niche in what they can afford you know so they can get on the road and try it if they're interested that's one of my big passions is helping others you know get into the sport too we are not the same person. I was going to say, I rode for a little while, and I took my, I had a CBR 600 for a little mm -hmm. bit, took it down to Sacramento, and the first week I was there, I saw a motorcycle wreck, and I was like, mm, I'm done for a little bit. I think we're, I didn't even, nothing happened to me, and I was just yep. like, okay, I think I can, I think I could take five on this for a little while. It can go so bad, but it can also go so good. You can find yourself in a mindset that you didn't expect yourself in, and because you're just riding out somewhere where you didn't plan on ever visiting or maybe that you didn't expect to have a chance to get to because you didn't have access and your motorcycle does or, you know, just, uh, you know, certain situations you'll find yourself in uh, can be so fun and unexpected just as much as the you know, negative side, the wrecks and stuff that happen that are unexpected. So it's a, it's a win-lose type of thing. It's a gamble, but... You know, for me, 
uh, I guess something probably clicked when I was young where it was, you know, real fun and it always made my passion there. So even if I'm having a bad day, it's a, it's like an instinct. I know all I got to do is get on that thing with the wheels out there and I'll be smiling before I know it. And it's a, it's like a run to therapy in a way um, that just always brings a smile to my face and, uh, I guess my wife uh, didn't expect to ride motorcycles. She didn't have really much desire to. Um, we got these electric bikes, you know, and she found it so easy because there's no clutch to drop and all that that she fell in love with it right away, you know, and uh, now she rides almost every time I go as on her own bike. <laughs> it's pretty Just awesome. the electric ones or are you? Okay. Um, She does ride. Um, She had a Grom. I, I taught her to use the clutch. I thought it was essential for her to learn. Those a things normal are really motorcycle. cool. And that'd be a perfect mm-hmm. little starter bike. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's important not to intimidate someone with too big of a bike or too much power at first. You know, that's why I, I think the electric bikes are good because they're so quiet. It's not intimidating to people. It's a great way to learn to um, trust yourself and your judgment, you know, because your instincts are pretty much on point <laughs> you think you're gonna loop out when you start doing a wheelie you're about to loop out when you're doing that wheelie <laughs> your your mind tells you danger in a healthy way you know people think you know oh my god i'm scared of heights that's a healthy fear that means you know you can die if you fall from there <laughs> or you can hurt yourself and, you know i find that all useful um and i don't avoid you know the the bad stuff that can happen, the thoughts. Um, in fact, they're they're just as much as focusing on the road. You know, you know, people say, look into your corners. Well, in my peripheral, I'm looking at everything around it even more than the actual road. I'm not even actually directly looking at the road. I'm looking at everything, looking for that hawk to come dropping down any second <laughs> or a pebble to be there out of the, in the corner of my eye that I didn't see, you know. Uh, because any of those can put you down on a street bike. But if you learn to avoid those stuff on instinct and look for that, um, you know, it, there's I go by years without going down, you know, at pretty extreme paces, you know, sliding tires around a lot of corners, um, wheelies at all the corners, you know, 100 plus um, th- through the twisties a lot. You know, and most people would think that's dangerous. And, you know, here I am. All my limbs, you know, I'm not, I can still. I don't know if you're the poster child for that. No, I wouldn't say that, that, but um, but you are still. You're walking around. You're not yeah, in a body bag. I can still sprint down the road. I'm 30, 35 today. My birthday. Oh, today's your birthday. Yes. Okay. It is, happy eh? birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, hence the uh, suit. Here. I like it. I was gonna comment on that. I'm <laughs> yeah. digging the suit. Yeah. So trying to enjoy my day. It was a little rainy this morning. I wasn't sure if I'd get a chance to ride. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a freeing experience, right? There's not really anything else like it Yeah. when you're just you know, hauling ass. You don't get the chance to think of other stuff. Mm-mm. When you're at emergency speeds <laughs> and your mind is focused on, you know, s- such extreme stuff, um, you don't have the chance to focus on the stress. You forget all the stress and you're just focused on that pure enjoyment, that pure learning experience and something totally separate from the rest of life. You know, it's like when you step into a piece of art, you know, or something like that. You start drawing something. You can't even hear what the people are saying beside you when they're over there talking in a conversation. You're over there focused on your drawing, and it's a whole separate experience from, you know, the rest of life. Uh, and that, that's pretty awesome because 
it also still incorporates the rest of the world and the stuff around you, you know, like beautiful scenery, people, you meet people that you may never have made friends with. And because you both ride, there's your mutual interest. And I've met some really awesome people that are so diverse, you know, that I, I would have never come across them or spoke to them if it hadn't been that we pulled up to the same spot on a motorcycle, you know? So, you know, that's, probably one of my favorite things too is you know the the brotherhood it brings you know sisterhood the whole companionship you know it's just this automatic oh you like those things too you think they're fun awesome i'll bet we'd get along and it's like you it's this assumption that you'd get along that just makes it um i think uh more comfortable for people you know to become friends and stuff they just assume Oh, you like that? We're probably similar to, you know. It is like a built-in friend group, right? Especially just riding around on the street. Everybody waves to everybody if you're on a motorcycle. Absolutely. Um, it's a it's an untold rule. <laughs> you know, we don't even... I see some of my friends will post, you know, getting butthurt. Someone didn't wave back or something. You know, oftentimes someone doesn't see you or whatever. But the experience should be a surprise anyways. I don't think it should be a written rule. You know, it should be like, oh. Someone just waved. Hey, what's up? Wave back. And it should be that pleasant surprise always. You know, when I'm doing wheelies through town on my Surron, on my electric bike, um, I'll come across, you know, some businesswoman in an SUV who's texting away. And and then she notices me and drags her out of her busy, stressful day. And she's got this, you know, discerned look on her face, you know, doing something. And all of a sudden she looks over and it brings this smile that she didn't expect, you know, or kids man it lights them up (laughs) i I can tell because you know sometimes you know i've been riding for 20 something years on this it's some of the people i've met have considered me idols you know and they're like grow up and they become riders and they're like you inspired me and you gave me these tips and now check this out and you know it's awesome to see them fall into that same passion you know for the the companionship really it's the hey you do it too so i do it and i want to be like you and let's all do it together and and you know a lot of people try not to conform you know they try not to do the same thing as everyone but why wouldn't you want to do the same thing if it is fun as heck (laughs) you know what i mean so um, i think generally it brings joy there's a lot of uh, pain in you know people getting lost you know i've lost a lot of friends riding uh, a lot of close friends you know people I would consider, you know, my, my top five friend groups, you know, and um, it's life changing, but I know that they died doing something they loved, you know, and that they weren't uh, ashamed to die for, you know, and doing myself included. If I died on a motorcycle, I wouldn't want people to be upset that I died on a motorcycle. I was doing something I was avidly passionate about and enjoyed doing and knew the risks of, you know, so. That's something that people that haven't found what they're truly passionate about don't fully understand is that idea of willing being willing to die for something because you love it so much because people hear that and they're like that's crazy why not just not ride a bike yeah right do but some art like i was saying yeah, yeah stay at home <laughs> play video games but you're hard to kill yourself with a pencil yeah. uh, drawing but uh but that's I mean, a real that's a real tangible feeling the idea of not being able to do this just because you could eat yourself to death you could walk out of here and get hit by a car like there's so many other things that people don't take into account a bigger fear for me is just 
laying on my deathbed one day, you know, with some painful ailment, you know, dying of cancer and realizing I didn't go for the stuff I wish that I knew at that moment that I had the courage to do and wish I had tried. You know, some people might think, oh, street bikes are expensive, things like that. Uh, how do you afford, you know, the nice bikes and stuff? And it's never crossed my mind why I spent that money, you know, or if it was too much. I just simply am always trying to gather more to fuel that passion in that, you know, that that comfort zone in my life. I could have 10 bikes and still not have enough, you know, <laughs> but it, it got to be realistic, you know, I have children and a life to support. And, and uh, bikes are expensive. Yep. So it is, it is expensive. In my opinion, is well worth it. You know, like I said, uh, I would have 10 bikes if I could afford it. But um, also there's always that um, desire to help, you know, the people that are around me rather than overconsume myself. So I usually try to just keep one nice bike. You know, one thing that I care about. If I got two bikes, I feel like I'm overconsuming what I need. I should be offering that to one of my friends that could ride, you know. So, you know, that's one of my reasons for helping other people find uh, vehicles and bikes and making sure they stay on the road. I, I do like free work, you know, from the whole group often. I don't necessarily like to advertise that all the time, but oftentimes I'll see that the group's falling short because of people lacking the funds to do mechanic work and uh, I'll, I tell them I'll do it for them as long as they watch and they learn how so they can do it themselves next time. That's a good uh, way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It teaches people to be confident and also to look for the things that can be dangerous uh, maintenance wise on, on any vehicle, cars uh, and bikes. Bikes are you know, very particular because you got one wheel in the front. <laughs> got to make sure everything is going well because you have one chance, you know, one one opportunity if you lose that that line your your little lane of wheels it goes down you can't bring it back you know so and is that for the facebook group that group mm -hmm. that you run yeah i have a, a pretty avid group of uh close friends that are ride every weekend for sure um, i haven't been riding so much lately mostly just uh because i'm trying to figure out where i want to go with the my career and stuff and um you know trying to settle in with uh, my children, you know, um, make make a little more comfy home life for everyone, you know, myself included. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I recently sold my Italian bike, um, which was pretty difficult. A lot of people ask how I can sell some of the nice bikes I've had. Like, why would you ever get rid of that? I always think to myself, well, there's a, there's always another one waiting. That's even nicer. So if you follow me and look at the stuff I've had, you always notice, well, it started years and years and years ago, and it just progresses. <laughs> and I don't necessarily have to spend more money on things. It uh, just kind of goes with the inflation. You know, as things get nicer, they get more expensive, but mm, it's all relative. You know, so my last bike I spent over $10,000 on initially, uh, and I'd say I was the happiest I had been with a purchase on a motorcycle, even though it was probably the most I had spent, um, you know, initially on a bike that I hadn't even modded myself yet, you know. Uh, but it was the nicest bike I had ever owned and uh, was definitely difficult to sell, but I'm anxious to find something even cooler and nicer. What kind of bike was it? Well, that was a Prilia Factory 1100. Um, it was a Tuono, so it was an upright riding position. But um, still had the full race motor. Uh, it was a 2016, so it had the first year of the 1100 motor as opposed to the 1000, which 
I kind of didn't think it was going to be that much more power because <laughs> I had a, had a couple of the 1000s already, uh, three of them previously. Um, but the 1100 was amazing. <laughs> noticeable difference. Very, very noticeable. Um, you know, anyone who's on the fence buying an older 1000 Aprilia V4 as opposed to the 1100, you know, 2016 and up, I definitely would suggest the 1100. It's worth the couple grand extra. <laughs> yeah. The traction control and all that, I didn't think I would need when I was growing up. You know, grew up dirt riding, sliding the tire was fun. Um, I didn't think that it would be useful on the street. I thought that was all weird track mumbo jumbo. But uh, tried a few bikes with electronics the past few years, and it's really it is the next level, um, which helped me get into the electric bikes. You know, I realized that electronics were the future, and um, you know, I was building drones and stuff, and it opened my eyes to this stuff is ungodly overpowered <laughs> and it's just touching the surface you know if that was stuff i could build myself i was just wondering what you know real engineers multiple minds together were thinking of you know already so uh, i'm not surprised the saron has come out you know such an such an amazing bike at an affordable price you know well, there's really nothing else like that you know everything else is ten thousand dollars plus i think they were roughly five grand something like that really five years ago you couldn't have bought something like that you know they just didn't have that how did you get affiliated with them um well i was transferring over to electric um trikes i was building drift trikes um i was building gas powered ones but here in california we have so many limits and so many rules on stuff not that i'm to oppose some of it but um one of them is that if you're riding you know something that's not registered it has to be 50 cc's or less um, and a lot of times the gas powered drift track 50 cc's just isn't enough for a grown adult you know so it's putting 250 cc motors and stuff on them and um, of course that gets some tension from the police you know in little neighborhoods and annoys the neighbors and uh, I mean, my solution was to go electric and it was you know my first prototype just blew me away it was faster and funner than the gas-powered one, mostly because it was front-wheel drive, but also because of, you know, just the sheer wow factor every time you hit the throttle that it's just silent, and it's just something you you don't expect to enjoy that much, or you don't expect it to actually pull you that fast. Um, so I was getting into trying to overpower them and stuff just like I was with the electric uh RC stuff, the car, RC cars and drones, you know, overpowering them, putting a different speed controller and battery was all the hype, you know, <laughs> tuning it yourself. Um, so, of course, that's what happens when you have an electric-powered, you know, vehicle that can push a person. Um, you want to give it more power, of course. <laughs> um, California's maximum, I think, is uh, 750 watts, which is really low. Um, so a lot of companies sell bikes that have, you know, a little off-road button you know for it and it gives it more power the Suron included um there's a button on there and it gives it 5,400 watts and it's enough to haul 200 plus pound grown man just fine um it really blows you away because it goes for hours you know like well over an hour at least with even a full-size adult and uh you're just so used to the old RC car when you had as a kid that went for 10 minutes and wasn't that fast. And then you see all these blistering fast ones um, in the current years. And now to see it happening with the electric motorcycles, that's something that you can 
see how it's built just by looking at it you know it's something you you're just like it's that simple there's just a battery a controller and a motor run to a chain <laughs> it's just so simple that it's 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 a no-brainer why you wouldn't convert from gas over to that there's no oil to change in it there's no clutch to replace it's not burning all this emissions um one just fumes stink you up you know <laughs> well, i'm doing a wheelie coming into a stop sign my exhaust is pointing at the ground and it, it just you know billows up into you. you smell like fumes by the time you get home off of every ride and it's it's inevitable the electric bike i can ride it at 2 a.m if i'm not sleeping <laughs> and come home and i'm in the same condition Hell, i ride in this suit sometimes <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh it's uh it's very therapeutic because you can do it without that um, fear of annoying people, you know, with the sound, um, scaring people with, you know, some big ugly motorcycle. It, it gets a lot more thumbs up than a normal motorcycle. Um, do a lot of bikers push back on that, though? Because that whole loud bike save lives, that was a big of mantra for a while. Um, so, I mean, in particular, probably the biggest, um, like, type of group that hates them is the motorcyclists it's it's kind of like when i remember snowboards um becoming real popular right you know i was born in tahoe and stuff and seeing the skiers just so hate them them. but me coming into it right as they were there i just didn't understand it because i saw both at the same time you know (laughs) saw the snowboard being developed and you know turning to the double-ended you know (laughs) what it is today and seeing the skiers literally ban them from all of the ski lifts, saying they were dangerous and this and that, just anything they could, it's it's identical. It happened with four strokes in racing. They, you can't race that dirt bike against us two strokes, blah, blah, blah. How's that going to work? You got 450 cc's. I have 250, yada, yada. It all worked out, and the four strokes won. Uh, I, myself, was a two-stroke fan for years, and I refused to convert to four-stroke. And then I rode my first one, and after two seconds of riding it, I was just so mad at myself that I had that kind of pride that I wouldn't let myself try something because of what I thought other people would think of me. So that's one reason that I just dive into things without fear of what society thinks. You know, I'll buy a motorcycle that someone thinks is just ridiculous. So like, why would you put that much into that, into the exhaust, into the tires, into this? And it's just... Like I said, it's really amazing, passionate thing for me. You know, it's um, it's uh, it's something I I don't think I'll ever stop, even if even if I wanted to. <laughs> you know, I I it it draws money out of my life constantly, but um, I, even when I'm struggling, I still have that desire to go ride. It's there still, so I find it, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> The electric bikes are amazing because it's cents to ride it. It's 20 cents or something to charge that thing and it go for oh, hours. For a full charge. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. It's it, definitely it the future. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I uh, have had a few friends from the motorcycle group uh, ride it and they're just amazed. And they try and tell the others, they're like, "You no, stop hating. No, for real. You got to try it. And it, so many people are so unwilling to come and sit on it and try it they just they love their their loud bikes me included <laughs> definitely miss the aprilia and it would wake the dead but uh 
there's definitely an appeal to that and it was gobs more power um a totally different machine this is a off-road you know uh, more of a trials bike you know so it's not meant to have 200 horsepower <laughs> that would be ridiculous but um there's definitely it's two different sports basically can you ride it on is it street legal no um so there's like i said there's the button there and you can ride it um as a e-bike oh, okay um, so you so can in push the bike that lane. button on there and you can put it in the bike lane and uh, i don't actually have mine registered but I, I think in california technically you're supposed to register as a moped um which then you don't need insurance and you don't need a class m1 license uh or m yeah you know your motorcycle license even to ride it um it's basically classifies as a little 50 cc um kids bike you know or a one of those gas powered wizard bikes and you see all the guys riding on in town um so even though i don't have a plate on mine and a registration sticker uh, i've never had any negative contact with uh, law enforcement and i see them every day um, you know, sometimes they'll be down on the plaza, you know, with all the bars there and I'll do circle wheelies around their cars and they just love it, you know, roll their windows down, ch- chatting the whole time. Um, very friendly vibe that way. I, I try to be as respectful as I can. Um, it's not like I'm wheeling down the street to, um, you know, intimidate people or scare anyone. Um, I definitely stick in my little bike lane. I try and do it when there's not cars right next to me or anywhere close and I check behind me in case I ever were to wreck I don't want someone to have to lock up their brakes and feel endangered, you know, because I wrecked in front of them. That's one of my big fears. So if you check my videos a lot, you'll see me look around a ton. Um, really just trying to check out for the people around me, you know, out there with all the public. And the uh, last thing I want to do is um, upset anyone. In fact, I'm trying to bring smiles. <laughs> Generally, it does. Um, every once in a while, you'll catch someone off guard. You'll surprise someone who's walking around a corner or something and they were going to come jog out into the street and they weren't looking or something. Generally, I'm looking, but they get so surprised by the e-bike because they didn't hear it that their initial reaction is a anger. You know, like, whoa, I yeah, didn't you hear you up on them. and I could have walked into you type of reaction. And, it, you know, I have so much respect for that. I'm like, well, you, you probably should have looked both ways out of uh, instinct <laughs> first. You know, a lot of people take that for granted myself included i've been hit on a skateboard by a prius <laughs> myself skateboarding across the street just assuming there wasn't a car there because i didn't hear it didn't that's, even look that way that's one of the things that people that don't ride bikes don't really understand is most people are not paying attention there's a lot of people that are texting and driving or messing around with their dash or i saw this lady again down in sacramento Another bad time. I saw this lady. She was smoking a bong and FaceTiming her friend. She had her phone mounted to her steering wheel <laughs> as she's driving. We're so stopped. Two at a hands stoplight. are off the wheel. <laughs> yeah, and I was just sitting there like, "This is insane." But this is this is what people do. Yeah, you know, after you know, I'd say it probably takes about a good year of constant street riding, but you develop this instinct of constant awareness of that kind of driving you expect it everywhere because really it's everywhere everyone does it i text and drive sometimes who am i kidding uh, you know there's times i'm in a rush and i gotta send that text before i get there yada yada um so um you just learn to expect it and you like i said it's real real rare i think that was actually the only incident where i had ever included another uh, vehicle in a an accident with a motorcycle was that one you know, 15 years ago on, on an R1, um, I've never hit another vehicle, which says a lot. Uh, riding every day, you know, riding uh, extremely fast, um, you have that defensive driving just ingrained into you after just 
quite a short amount of writing, you know. You have to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, loud exhaust definitely save lives. There's times that I would have been cut off and, you know, gone down. Not that I would have died, um, but, you know, there's, not to say I couldn't have died. You know, from a small impact, sometimes it's not a fast accident that kills you. Um, you know, I've had friends go down real slow and still die. hits you right way um, in your head or something. And, you know, that so always expect that it could go real bad. Um, I try to keep a lot of distance from vehicles and some people get upset when a bike goes shooting between vehicles but I think it's a lot of times that that happens you know because they're sitting there trying to show off in traffic but um, myself when I do that it's to get away from the cars as fast as I can <laughs> so that I'm not around big cages with people inside <laughs> steering them while texting on their phone death uh, traps yeah so I, I initially go up to my stoplights roll between the cars and try and get in front and get out in front of that you know little group of traffic and so i'm in less danger how do you feel about lane splitting um like i said it's it's a way to get away from your cars um it's it's an initial reaction to bikers um over time because we stagger when we're riding anyways you don't ride directly behind another rider what happens if he locks up his brake you're gonna hit his rear tire when two tires touch oh man it's real funny when when they're both moving one direction the one behind it goes ejectoing in the air when the rubber and rubber touch each other a lot faster than you think they would so hitting another bike is a is a big no-no um so you just always learn to stagger um off this center line from the other vehicle cars included um when i'm following a car um i'm generally ready at any moment to snap up to in between that car and any other vehicle that might be next to it or something um because you never know when you might need to lane split. Sometimes I'm rolling in traffic and they, a car can slow down quite a bit faster than even a Repler Race Sport bike because of the amount of rubber that is on the ground and the fact it has four of those. And I've got two and they're round. <laughs> um, I have a lot less surface. So when it comes to, you know, stop and go traffic, um, a bike stops a lot slower. <laughs> um, you know, in emergency situations, it's a lot easier to lock up a bike and lose control. So being able to go in between the cars is essential even at a normal pace in traffic because you never know when some person's going to walk in the road and the person in front of you is going to come to an abrupt stop most bikes if you're following at a normal vehicle length that you would be doing in a car you're going to hit that car if they come to one of those abrupt stops that we all spill our coffee on um that's uh that's something you learn right away <laughs> as soon as someone comes to stop in front of you and you almost hit them for the first time and you're like holy cow that didn't stop as fast as i thought it would you learn to lane split real quick um uh, i definitely try not to get close to vehicles it annoys people when you get real close to their mirror even if you don't touch them they get angry um, some people definitely try to cut you off and hit you <laughs> you know they're so mad a lot of people are from other states where it's illegal um, and they just come or they're driving through here as tourists or travelers and they assume it's illegal. So when they see a bike coming up in between the cars, they get this road rage and they try to cut you off, you know, which is a weird reaction. Very odd. You know, it's just so odd to think that you should take the law into your own hands and, you know, use a vehicle to try to assault someone. It's, it's never crossed my mind to use my vehicle to assault someone. You know, I never tried to pin someone even in another vehicle. 
I never pushed them off the road. I couldn't really imagine trying to do that because I know what can happen and how bad things can go when you just make a stupid decision, you know, on a vehicle that's traveling at a rate of speed that you don't understand, you know. Things can go from 20 miles an hour to zero and change your internals, you know. You're having a bad couple weeks after that. So, you know, I definitely never play with traffic. I, I never encourage road rage. Um, I've never broken a, a mirror rode by and punched a mirror you know i've had people cut me off flip me off uh, for splitting lanes and try to smush me with their truck you know into semis and literally realize that you would have died if you would have let them continue you would have been smushed that they would have acted like it was an accident you know and there's people out there that do that on purpose and you know you'll see them flip you off after and you're like what well how does someone just go to try to murder someone because of something like that, that is this so initial crazy. reaction. And why? Why? Yeah. Just let them pass. What do you never understood it? You know, even in my car, when someone gets up on my butt, I mean, I drive fast to be kidding, but when someone gets on my butt, it doesn't make me mad. I don't get this initial reaction of fuck you. I just simply say, oh, they're in a big rush. Let me pull off and let them buy. Why wouldn't I as a gentleman? You Problem know? solved. <laughs> yeah. Look, a win-win situation. I'm not annoyed by the guy's lights or the guy on my ass, and he got to go get his ticket or whatever he needed to do. Um, you know, so myself on a bike, I, uh, I go really fast in traffic, you know, and I try and keep away from people, um, try to shoot out in front of any kind of problem situations and stay in the clear. Um, stay away from, you know, when someone flips me off and tries to cut me off with their truck, I don't hang back and try to say, what's your problem? Fuck you. You're I gone. jam out of there. Yeah. As soon as I'm around the front of him, I'm gone. <laughs> And if he's doesn't, if people don't let you pass, you just take another route. Don't use road rage, especially on a motorcycle. <laughs> this could go real bad. <laughs> you get a better perspective of the road when you strip away that steel cage and you're on a bike. You yeah. become you almost become a better person in a way. Yeah. Like you, if everyone just rode motorcycles, we wouldn't have any. Nobody would be dying. We wouldn't have any problems. Yeah. If everybody would watch out for each other. You know, everyone accidentally cuts someone off at some point. You pull out, and this guy was going a little quick, and you still were moving, so you had to keep going into traffic. Otherwise, you would have had to oddly back up or something. Um, so, you know, people get cut off. I cut people off on my motorcycle just the same. You know, you go to pull out, and oop, there's a truck coming, you know, and he's got to hit his brakes. And I just feel so bad, generally. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I feel terrible, you know, and uh, and. I don't, I don't um, think that it's ever anyone's right to, you know, assume that, you know, they should have this superiority complex that, well, I was coming out and you need to stop anyways. It's still somewhat rude, in my opinion, when you accidentally cut someone off, even if it's not your fault. Um, so I'm generally always just apologetic, even if they're mad and flip me off and say, fuck you, I'm still just like, I'm so sorry, you know. <laughs> Just this general, like, I could have gone bad. I could have got hurt. You could have got hurt. I mean, even if it's just a small fender bender, it sucks, you know. A scratch on any vehicle sucks, especially when it's your baby. Uh, you know, hell, uh, if I got an ugly old crappy Honda, I'm still my baby. <laughs> so, you know, I try to be really respectful that way of everyone and the dangers that can happen. Yeah, it's just you got to be careful of people. People in cars are just dangerous a lot of the times. 
Yeah, here in Humboldt, you get a lot of that because we have such the backwoods, uh, you know, rural areas. People are used to driving where they don't see too many vehicles, so by the time they get into town, they're very accustomed to their, you know, cutting lanes, uh, you know, going off the shoulder a bit. Swerving in and out mm-hmm. of traffic. Yeah, so coming into town, they're not so worried about going into the bike lane, but as I'm coming along at 35 miles an hour on my electric bike, you know, it's a it's pretty rude to cut into the bike lane, you know, cause it could force me into a parked vehicle, you know, something of that sort. Um, so is that the top speed on those things? 35? Um, no, it's generally this, the speed that I, I'm comfortable at around town. Cause I don't want to speed, you know, most speed limits are 25 to 35 around town and, and 35 in a bike lane is pretty good. I mean, you can die on a Ron. <laughs> um, in fact, there was an unfortunate story I heard recently where someone in Hawaii, um, I read uh, was coming down a hill on a Sauron way too fast. Um, people upgrade them, you know, to go over 80 miles an hour. Guy had upgraded his and was coming down a hill and hit a uh, real famous um, surfing pastor from a church and died on impact. You know, the, the motorcyclist was geared up and he was fine, but the pastor died immediately. Um, and he had, it was a huge part of the community, you know, teaching kids how to surf for years. You know, he, he was a, surf instructor as well as a pastor you know and great influence on all kinds of people so you know missed by thousands you know personally you know like people that he was close to and uh it's just real unfortunate that people um push the limits like that um i think that 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 was something that could have been avoided you know there there should never be someone with an upgraded bike that's doing 80 miles an hour in a bike lane type of situation or on a trail or even if he was on the road where he's not capable of stopping you know you know it's like i said i don't even hit another vehicle and on my street bikes you know except for that one time which uh really slowed me down and you know woke me up to that kind of situation because i think most of all i was feeling guilt over hitting that forerunner because i I did damage to it, and the person was so kind. Obviously, they got out when I wrecked, and the person that got out of that forerunner was a motorcycle rider and a racer. And he's like, if you ride, he, first thing he said, he's like, man, if you ride, you're going to go down. And he's like, it happens. And he lifted his shirt, and he had this huge scar going all the way down his ribs. Then he lifted his foot, and the scar went all the way from his armpit down to his ankle. And it, and it was this huge caved-in scar, like his ribs had, it was you could see staple marks and stuff where it, and it was just like I'd never seen a, such a horrific wound, you know. And he, I he asked me immediately. He was like, "Do you, you got insurance and stuff?" And I didn't have insurance on that bike, and I was like, "No, I don't." And he had a brand new Forerunner. It was like that year's model, and he said, "Don't worry about it, man." And it was so cool. I just couldn't believe it. I was shocked, and he's so kind. You know, most people would have been mad. You know. Um, and I, f- I just felt so bad. Um, and it was one of the guiltiest moments of my life. So I just, I couldn't ever bring myself to hit someone's, you know, investment like that and uh, be, you know, fine. And what a walk cool away guy. without feeling Jesus. like it. Yeah, I was just so, so surprised. I wish I could thank him. Even to this day, I wish I was still his friend and knew who he was. I didn't get his information. Obviously, I was sitting on the road and got air backed out. Um, so if I could, I'd, you know, thank him and be proud to be his friend. Um, just because I thought that was very, uh, you know, 
probably real difficult for him to do. He probably spent money fixing his Forerunner. I probably did quite a bit of damage to the back end of it. And it probably came out of pocket for him, you know. So, But yes. that's one of those perspectives you get as somebody who rises. Mm-hmm. I was so grateful um, that he didn't press charges. He didn't sue me to fix his vehicle because I would have not been able to ride again. I wouldn't have been able to get another bike. I would have been struggling to pay for his stuff, you know. And probably would have fell out of riding, you know, because um, I wouldn't have bought another street bike. You know, so to him, I'm very grateful <laughs> that he uh, let me out of that without you know forcing it you know on me if i could i would pay him back now like if i could i just uh, i don't know who he is like i said but you know changed my perspective in my life a lot that day you know in many ways respect for people respect for the bike respect for myself respect for my family you know my aunt drove over and took care of me for weeks while i was down from a motorcycle wreck it's like oh most people would have been angry and be like, it's your own fault, you, you know, <laughs> take care of yourself type of thing. But I'm very grateful for the people I have in my life. In fact, uh, I'm healing from a wound right now. <laughs> from another down? Oh, yeah. You're over here like, yeah, another one. Yeah, I'm probably five days out of the hospital right now. <laughs> How do you feel about all that? Does that ever weigh on you and you're just like, Jesus, just ride the e-bike. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, so you were yeah. in it with him. Okay. Yep. She knows so you the get pleasures. It. Yeah. Riding. Okay. Yeah. In fact, first motorcycle she had been on was my Aprilia, which probably uh, most people would be like, you put a person on the back of your Aprilia, much less, you know, someone's first ride. <laughs> so, um, you know, most times you wouldn't want to scare someone, but uh, I think she fell in love with it. Right Clearly worked. She stuck around. <laughs> yeah. Saw it was possible and, you know, had an experienced rider that, um, that's the key the experienced rider thing Mm -hmm. if you've got a poor driver and somebody on the back of that thing it just scares them even if you don't go down they're frightened when they get off of that thing. and then they're not going to want to do it again yeah they thought that's normal like Like, oh that's normal no blinkers swerving in and out almost going down okay i don't think this is for me (laughs) so you know a little respect for your bike that you're riding and traffic goes a long ways on promoting the, the whole sport and making sure that you're being safe for everyone you know and so these surrounds, what's the, you said you can get a couple hours out of them. What's the mileage for that? Or the range? I've got up over three hours myself. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of people will probably say that not, not even close, um, but I ride real aggressively. Um, and I've definitely been gone for over three hours on my bike, riding constantly through town. You know, a lot of times I'm not at full throttle, so just be tooling around, you know, maybe flipping channels or songs on my uh, Pandora or something, only going 10 or 20 miles an hour. Um so that's probably what helps me get long range, you know, just toying around town, but that's what they're made for. And that's how you ride anyways. Um, we're not racing necessarily. Um, if it, we were racing, I definitely would do some upgrades, but I probably get, you know, over two hours of constant riding. It takes me probably five hours to charge it or less. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's almost relative to the amount of time that you ride. I ride for a couple hours and go charge for a couple hours, and it's back up to 95, 100% almost immediately. But I, I do let it balance charge overnight, make sure I'm uh, maintaining the battery. Um, a new battery is 1500 bucks, so <laughs> Good incentive to maintain chunk. it. It's like a motor to a car or something. So uh, definitely trying to take care of my battery. Um, but 
I've never had one go bad. Um, I've brought one back that people thought were bad too, um, and had them work for still now years. You know, uh, my current bike has. Suron has well over 2,000 miles on it with uh, pretty much zero maintenance, you know, just the usual lube the chain, uh, check check my tires, and I replace my brake pads now twice in the rear, mostly from stunting. So, uh, I mean, a, it's clearly got plenty of power if you're popping wheelies on it. Yeah, what's cool about it is the uh, the comfort zone that you have because there's no intimidation of the motor. You know, even an experienced rider, that intimidation, you hear something growl under you, it tenses you up, even if you try not to, and you try and stay relaxed. A 200-horsepower superbike tenses up anyone when you full throttle that thing. <laughs> so um, the Suron, you can drop full throttle and still be calm because it doesn't initially scare you with this reaction of your hearing and the vibrations and stuff. So you can really focus on your abilities more and what's going on under you it's your initial reaction actually is reality and what's happening as opposed to oh my god this is this could happen you know like the what ifs aren't there because the fear goes away so the learning factor went up dramatically when i found the surons because um you know i found that i could wheelie from a dead stop because i didn't have a clutch so i could go from literally a stop sign into the wheel picks up and you can carry it away as fast as you want to you know at its top speed you can just let off for a moment and you know lose two or three miles an hour and if you open it wide open again it wants to do a wheelie again because of the um the linear torque that electric motors have um obviously they're all tuned different um different speed controllers make them perform differently so some people would be like oh my motor electric motor isn't actually a perfect line torque wise and they they aren't um, electric motors have a power band you know it does climb but it's very linear in comparison to a um, gas powered motor in general um, and can put a lot more power generally to a motor than they're rated at um, you know oftentimes on my drones i'd put three times the volts that they were ever said they could handle and found it was fine you know they just don't want to advertise that so they're uh, not you know, abusing their products. Yeah. But yeah, the Suron, um, in fact, it's well known that the bike's pulling 5,400 watts, um, I believe, and the battery is capable of pulling well over 8,000 watts constantly. So they're just underdrawing the battery, um, which is pretty nice for someone like me who can custom mod something because I can bypass the battery myself, the battery monitoring system, and let it pull that full 8,000 watts and change my controller with you know, spending a thousand less than everyone else because they got to go bring it to some shop or something, you know. So, um, saves a lot knowing that stuff, understanding electronics and all that, definitely. And like you said, it's probably a pretty decent bike to try to do tricks on just mm -hmm. because you're removing that factor. Yep. So the fear factor is the big one, but also having no foot controls. So, um, you know, some Surons will have a rear brake down. Uh, on your peg that's an upgraded part that a lot of people buy um oh most of them don't come with that no it oh, okay. has the brakes just like a normal bicycle your left brake is your rear one though as opposed to most bicycles it's the other way around your right brake is generally your rear brake on a bicycle um, so they're swapped um to be more like a motorcycle your right brake is your front brake and your left one is your rear brake um but you can mod it yourself obviously to have a a rear brake also um included down on your foot, um, they have both a regen option that's electronically assisted, so your motor's actually what's slowing down your rear wheel. 
um, but they also have a cable, you know, hose system and another bracket where you can add a second caliper onto the rear and just use a normal brake for those diehard motorcycle people who can't get out of their head that their foot is the brake. And for me, I really enjoy that there's no foot controls um, because it opens up the option to do all those cool foot, you know, jumping around, some, you know, dancing on the bike while doing wheelies and stuff. In fact, this last injury, um, I was doing a wheelie uh, while standing on the seat and I tried to hit a jump, and normally that wouldn't be too crazy, but when I landed, I was trying to land off, well, midair, I was trying to jump from the seat back down onto the pegs, so I landed back onto the pegs, and I missed the peg, and hit the ground with my foot, and so it was a hard impact, and the bike slammed into the back of my calf with the peg, and man, (laughs) it can go bad real fast. (laughs) Bit of a wake-up call. Yeah, but... um. You know, the option to not have to use your feet for the foot controls really opens up tricks that you literally can't do on a motorcycle. You, you wouldn't be able to um, because of the, you know, physics and stuff. It can't do splits on a motorcycle without a handbrake, <laughs> you know, while you're doing the circle wheelies. It's impossible. And there's not enough engine braking, so. And so are those things pretty good off-road? Do they have a pretty decent suspension system? Both off and on-road, they are amazing. You can set it up uh, basically immediately to be a supermoto and handle great on the street or do great off-road. They come out of the factory um, to be uh, off-road. So they come with knobby tires and 200-plus millimeters of suspension travel, like a full downhill bike, but no pedals, (laughs) just pegs. Um, And the capable of pretty much anything that um, most experienced riders would ever be able to throw at it. Um, after a year of hard use on my first Suron, um, I did crack the swing arm um, and shattered out a piece of um, supportive metal in the rear end, and which you know ruined the swing arm. I did have to um, I actually fixed it myself, um, drilled holes on the two sides and replaced it with a stronger piece of metal. Um, so I saw that as one of the weak points in the Suron, but overall it it outperformed all my expectations by far um you know and already other bikes had done that and this blew me away when i found the Suron. um it's it's very durable you know i've wrecked tons of times on it you know i don't even have a chance to see when i'm tumbling down the dirt what's going on behind me but i'm sure it's doing cartwheels too you know and just get back up get back on it keep going um it's pretty hard to break one of those <laughs> you did something real bad if you did uh i've seen one picture online of a broken frame other than that i've never seen a frame broken somebody had landed a double cased out on top and shattered their frame in half but other than that i definitely have sent it like 30 feet over jumps and <laughs> landed a bit of flex in it you know but uh i'm still here still going. <laughs> yeah okay. it, it still made it um you know it, there's no problem jumping those over any any mountain bike course that you'd have um, unless you upgrade the power it's definitely not full motocross capable you know mm-hmm. it can't clear uh, a 30 foot jump unless you're going downhill with some momentum and stuff um but uh it the frame and the <laughs> the rest of it's there it's capable if the power is put to it um i think that it's just in its beginning stages they just released a new model called a uh, a talaria is the company and it's called a talaria sting i believe and it's similar to the Suron, but I can tell right away just from videos and pictures that it's much beefier frame. Overall, it's the same thing, you know, very, very similar. Same wheels and suspension and stuff. Um, same motor, I imagine, maybe some small differences, but 
you know, just the upgraded versions like the V2, and it's it's got strong, you know, braces everywhere that I saw that it was weak. And, you know, that's, that's to be expected. This uh, new Talaria Sting, I'm probably going to pick one of those up as soon as I can. And, you know, mod it <laughs> as I see fit for stunting. <laughs> And uh, size-wise, what are we talking? Comparable to like a hundred? Well, um, so they're v- since it has progressive suspension in the back and the linkage going on, and um, there's so many aftermarket parts for them, it's cost you fifty dollars, eighty dollars to change the link in the rear to different different shaped ones that um, drastically change the height of the bike um, along with your shock itself um, you know you can buy a rear shock for 150 200 brand new um, for one of these and have different lengths um, which overall a half inch on your shock after all the linkage is done coming out to the end of your swing arm it gives you maybe four inches of travel difference you know um, so just a small changes can create huge differences in the bike overall um so her bike is a bit lowered um i didn't want to intimidate her with too tall of a bike and you know too much play in the suspension um so hers has i think 130 mil roughly of travel as opposed to mine 200 you know so just do the math there it's quite a bit shorter distance um so the bike is that much lower also it has a different link in the rear um, which lowered it another two inches overall, I think, roughly, you know. So um, with that, it, the bike is, you know, quite a, probably four four inches lower, five inches lower, you know, seat height. Um, but you can really customize it to get it wherever in, you want In it. an hour or less, I, I could just put the other link right back in there from any other one. Um, she has 19-inch rims on hers. I have 17-inch wheels because uh, I tend to do more street riding. Um so I like the option to have 17-inch tires. Gives you all kinds of choices. You know, street bikes are all 17s. So opened up a wide range for me to change to 17s from the stocks are on 19s. Uh, but really, right out the back, they're amazing. <laughs> it's well worth the money and definitely rideable for anyone uh, to enjoy. You know, even as an, an experienced rider, it it'll put a smile on your face the entire time. I have, you know, one friend, uh, he's avid rider with me. We ride open leader bikes, one thousands. And to see his smile be the same as mine when I rode it is, is just tells you it, it can surprise anyone, you know, absolutely anyone. When you see it go by, you know, 30, 40 miles an hour, doesn't seem that fast. But when you're the guy riding it, <laughs> you've certainly got a smile. Jet ski going over the water. You're like, how fast is that going? 150? They're like 45 miles an hour, bro. <laughs> you were going 45. You're like, oh, man, it felt so fast. <laughs> it's all in your perspective. It's all in, uh, you know, let go of your, you know, fear of, like I said, society and what they're thinking of you. I'm sitting there playing on a kid's toy have the biggest grin of anyone in town i'll tell you what that's how i feel about those groms but they're yep. so they're so cool it doesn't matter that you're not you know breaking 90 <laughs> you're, you're just riding i definitely you know got the grom for her and of course of course i test it out check it out see how i liked it you, you know? have to make sure everything's and working i didn't expect to like it that much oh man i would put my race suit on go out there dragging knee and slide and tire into the roundabouts and <laughs> knowing that i wasn't gonna hurt myself having a big old grin um obviously couldn't join my group rides but uh for myself around town my personal fun the enjoyment factor is 
the same as the Aprilia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big old smile. The Suron is even more fun. I don't know why. Um, what is so much more fun about it? But I'd rather ride my Suron than my Aprilia, <laughs> even though the Aprilia costs me more. So why wouldn't I choose that <laughs> that Suron there? You know, I actually found myself riding it much more often. I couldn't wait to get home from my street bike rides because I knew go my ride it. bike oh, was charged up at home. I'm like, all right, guys, I gotta go. <laughs> I'll see y'all later. Wolf my burger in and race them home. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, what's the base cost for those? Um, I think it's I think it's over five thousand dollars. It fluctuates a little bit, um, up and down with, you know, supply. Mm. <laughs> um, they're sold out almost every time you go check, but then other times they'll have twenty or thirty at a time. You know, and uh, you can order them directly from the manufacturer and have it shipped. You know, freight over the seas, and it, it'll take months to get there. You'll save some money. Overall, you'll spend between five and six thousand dollars when all said and done. You know, put some brake pads and some different handlebars on there and stuff, and um, the essentials. You know, the seat's pretty uncomfortable. You know, right out of the bag, it's not terrible, but um, it's worth fifty bucks buying a new one. They have some aftermarket ones about that price that are way better. So you know, this put a thousand more dollars into your bike, and you'll you wouldn't be disappointed. You know. Uh, so still w- well under the price of any new new dirt bike you go oh, by. Oh yeah. Um, but size wise, like I said, it you know I have a coworker. He's six foot nine, you know, two seventy, and his is customized to where he can barely get on it. <laughs> he's got problems. He's like, I gotta stretch before I can put my leg over that thing. It's that tall. You know, seat extensions, um, shock upgrades. Um, aftermarket tires you can get different widths so when you go with the different width your overall diameter is going to grow as well so that's another way we get you know height out of a Suron. Um riser bars all different sizes these days <laughs> go from some straight pro tapers that are almost a t you know this the Suron bars themselves i think only have like a half inch rise from factory i think i have a four inch rise on mine at the moment it's uh, quite a bit different <laughs> so all very easily customizable with mountain bike parts, you know. So I'm also running a, an aftermarket rear brake. Um, it's a TRP. It's an up-and-coming brand um, that, you know, most people would go with Magura or uh, Hope is, you know, some of the first names you see if you want to go research what the top brakes are. Um, but uh, I went with that one because it was very um, sustainable. I had a stayed stayed without maintenance for the longest compared to all the others and i don't always get a chance to maintain everything so that sounded nice to me and i'm impressed with it it's definitely better than the stock one it's nice it was worth the 150 200 you know so yeah putting that money into your bike it, it's never a disappointment <laughs> if i had if i had ten thousand dollars i would put all ten thousand dollars into that Suron right away <laughs> Do you make any videos, because you make those riding videos, do you make mm-hmm. any videos where you actually are working on your bikes or anything? You know, I, I record it all, uh, all kinds of stuff, unboxing videos, all that stuff. I have hundreds of hours of footage of all kinds of cool stuff that probably people would like even more than my riding videos. Like, oh my god, you had one of those and you unboxed it and what is that? You know, because uh, working with some friends uh, at Nerd Scooters there, um, you know, recently we got like a, a one-wheeled electric motorcycle. I, I thought those were fictitious. So you've seen the yeah, ads. Yeah, I don't even for know it. what that would look like. I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, I kind of seen like a video 
long years ago of some prototype some guy had made where he was riding on this big wheel that was shaped like handlebars in the front and a giant wheel between his legs and it was riding on the street um but yeah you can buy one of those about 1500 bucks these days something like that and it, it's pretty incredible it's not like it's high performance machine gonna go 70 miles an hour but um just to be able to ride on one wheel and sit on it like a motorcycle is amazing <laughs> you know for 15 20 30 miles an hour something like that but i wouldn't want to go any yeah, faster anyways just don't trust myself even if it was capable um, but it's it's really cool to see the stuff that's available i built a uh, one of those one wheeled skateboards recently um and actually put a longboard deck on top of it and <laughs> made it into a longboard in a way it was really cool it handled great performed just like it should <laughs> it's pretty awesome you know i've seen videos of people putting a surfboard and stuff on top pretty cool so the content is there it's just the time of piecing it all together and crafting something yeah. um at this point i think i'd like to go make a maybe make another channel you know, and devote it more to the audience and like receiving some input and, you know, see what people really like to see and, you know, involving them, you know, in a way. So, you know, because like I said, my, my biggest enjoyment is getting other people into it. So when I hear someone say, man, we'd love to see this, or can you, can you do a video, show us some tips on how to do this? You know, I'd gladly do that. Just like to know what, uh, all my fans want to see. And, uh, Probably some of the haters. It's all part of the fun, <laughs> they though, can, right? They can chime in and tell me what they want to see, too. You always get those comments. You know, I have a, have a pretty famous video of me wrecking at 100 miles an hour on a Prilia. And there's just these people who come in just to make the terrible comments. Glad you're off the road. Hope you got really hurt type or something. You know, just outrageous. And you're just like, man, you just feel so bad for that person. You're like, hey, just hope they have a better day. They're going through it or something, you know? Oh, you know their life is not going well if they're commenting hate on a yeah. video of a wipeout. Yep, it's almost 50-50. You get those people hate it and those people that are just like, heal up, brother, you know, Godspeed, you know, all that. And uh, you get all that love and support too. So there's always going to be the haters. Just was with it this a pretty electric serious stuff. crash? Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, you know, I'm a motorcycle rider, so like, like I said, first thing I do is check my bike. So um, as soon as I realized I could stand up and walk, I'm like just worried about the bike. Adrenaline's kicked in, shocks kicking in. Um, you know, you don't feel too much pain from anything most times. Uh, so yeah, that that wreck was over a hundred and sliding for quite a while i actually didn't have my lower gear on so it was just jeans and skate shoes and uh pretty bad choice <laughs> yeah not good sliding attire yeah and uh you know i definitely i, I actually had a big patch of denim that had like fused with my hip and embedded into me um, large patch i don't know how that really happened but the hospital couldn't get it off and couldn't no one could get it off it was just fused in my skin so it um took probably two months for that to fully come off and heal um i'm not really sure how that happened <laughs> but yeah i just wore the denim away and melted it to my skin in a way uh, 100 mile an hour wreck i'll do that i guess <laughs> um you know went right through the jeans and stuff so um i had a lot of pain hip pain from that one um i ruptured my elbow even though i did have my uh, jacket on i probably would have shattered that arm i don't know i had you know, see approved armor and stuff. 
Uh, but overall, got up and bike rode still, rode at home. <laughs> uh, you know, by the time I got home, my uh, shock had worn off, the pain kicked in, and my elbow had swelled up, and uh, it was pretty hard to take my jacket off and stuff. So I did go to the hospital and make sure my elbow wasn't broken. Uh, but yeah, it was fine. So what happened? Just laid the bike down. Or? Um. Well, on on larger bikes, you have steering stabilizer, or steering damper, some people call it. Um, the, the Aprilia had a stock one, an old, uh, non Olin's actually, I think it was a Sox, um, suspension. Anyways, um, it was probably a little abusive to the bike overall. Yeah, you know, like ride them to their limits. You know, push them pretty hard to redline them. Um, wheelies aren't good for your bike, you know, so setting down wheelies can be rough on your steering damper. Um, you know, when you set your wheel down a little crooked at 100 miles an hour plus, it snaps your wheel back to straight again, and that damper is trying to slow that wheel from turning left and right, and so when it gets snapped back, it's abusive on the damper. Um, at some point uh, during that ride that day, uh, my damper had actually exploded. It came apart, so all the oil came out of it. Um, and I didn't notice um, because its location, it was under in a spot that wasn't visible. And the, the oil, I didn't see it because it was um, dripping down the fork. So it all, well, like one of those Final Destination movies, <laughs> 20 minutes of dripping down the fork, it gets down onto the axle, gets onto the wheel, gets onto the tire. So one corner accelerating at 100, coming out of it. Um, you know, normal lean angle, normal acceleration, um, you know, very comfortable, just done it a trillion times, come out of a corner just like that, and out of nowhere, front end dove, um, thought for sure I maybe hit some oil or something on the road, uh, or some pebbles, you know, and uh, after we picked the bike up and started it, um, I got back on it and immediately noticed, um, you know, I was looking it over for damage and I noticed there was moisture on the front end up on the wheel and on the tire and I touched it and I noticed it was oil and it just all of it clicked right then I followed the oil up found the damper exploded and um, it hadn't happened from the wreck I could tell because of the way that it it had um, dripped it was all gravity Um, so uh, if it had happened in the wreck it would have just kind of splattered all over up in the front end of the bike Um, so it told me I had been riding like that for a while and saw it on the tire just barely onto the edge where you ride and literally a drip (laughs) and that drip is what made me go down and uh yeah unfortunate bit of bike maintenance might have helped that you know maybe upgraded stabilizer would have been nice olin's one and you caught it all on video. Yep. <laughs> you know, our backwoods talking shenanigans, my buddy pulling out his big buck knife and straightening out my shift lever so I could ride home. Riding home one-armed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't use my clutch too much. I had to pull, like, you know, with my shoulder instead of my elbow because it wasn't folding inside of the gear anymore because it swelled up. <laughs> Got a lot of pressure in there. Jeez. <laughs> It's just like one horror story after another. Oh, I got I got better yeah, ones. I mean, I, s- I saved the horror stories. These are the these are the. Uh, this, this is just the intro. Yeah, these stuff. are the hero stories. <laughs> wow. 
Do you, were you at any point where you thinking, oh, this is going to be some good content for YouTube? You know, this, I, we got to upload this really, right away. I did. Uh, did make sure that I still. Ha- I thought my. I assumed my camera shattered off because I tumbled so many times. <laughs> but I think one of the first things I said, if you look at the video, was, uh, "Can you grab my GoPro?" He's like, "It's still on your face." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, sweet." <laughs> It, it didn't come off. My shoes came off. <laughs> Everything else came off, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty cool to have it on video, I guess, uh, in hindsight. <laughs> but um, overall, you know, I don't I don't record too much of the uh, gruesome stuff because people don't like to see that. You know, I don't like to see it. I don't want I don't want to watch people wreck. You know, I want to see them not wreck, almost wreck and save, save it. it. Yeah, that's the... That's what I want to see. I don't want to see pain. You know, I don't want to see pe- money getting thrown out the window. Bikes go tumbling down the road. I don't want to see the negative stuff. You know, so I try to not post that stuff if I can. But uh, it certainly has. I think it has more views than any other one on my Facebook. I was gonna say I don't like to see it, YouTube but those channel. videos definitely get a lot of traction. Yeah, they do. That's there's where it something explodes. weird in people where they you don't like to see it, but it's almost like you have yep. to see it. If it's in front of you. Yep. Like those, those like surgery videos that come up every once in a while on your YouTube. And you're like, I gotta click it. Is that... <laughs> we just gotta see what happens. Yep. Oh, man. That's, yeah. All right. You know, overall, the bike was fine. It's all part yeah. of the fun. You know, it barely had a scratch on it. And rode it home. Yeah, rode it home. Already had a, other parts that were on the way from Italy at uh, that moment that actually replaced the parts that got scratched so a couple oh, days later i'm still worked i'm out. still hurt but gave me a great chance to work on my bike because all the parts showed up to completely get rid of all the damaged spots it had a whole new tail section that was on its way and exhaust and all that so yeah actually didn't sustain any damage <laughs> and most people think you lay a bike down at 100 it's gonna be toast I, was, I didn't even want to look. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, my bike. <laughs> so where I just assumed it was not going to ride again, much less be totally fine. It it came out less scathed than I did. <laughs> I can't believe people were giving you shit on that video. That's the yeah. crazy part. You know, that really that really irks me, too. You'll see a few comments from me chiming right back at him with that. Oh, you can't read the comments. You I'm can't like, go oh, in there. Buddy. I'm it's like, a dark you, place. You. Clearly, need to ride a 250. I mean, oops. <laughs> How long have you been making videos? Oh, man. Has that so, been a more yeah, recent thing? or you know, Over 10 years, I've been making motorcycle videos. Um, oh, wow. The Shift Like Alex channel is uh, just more um, after I got involved with the Humboldt on Two Wheels group and the local riding groups. You know, before that, I was riding solo. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really know that we even had local motorcycle groups besides, you know, Harley you know hell's angels off off groups and stuff and uh yeah i didn't i didn't really see that there was that many riders at any given time in any location you know you reach out in any area you're at and you're gonna find a thousand riders you know like wow almost every person down the block actually rides wait a minute um you know it's surprising to see how many people actually ride a lot of people um you know, who are against it are just against it because they had a family member die or they got hurt or something so similar, like a negative experience from it. But other than that, most people have learned to ride a bike, you know, and can say they're a rider. It's, you know, almost every one of my friends can ride a motorcycle or has a motorcycle, you know. Yeah. 
and I found that out after joining the group. I'm like, oh, you're in it too? You have a street bike? What? You know, like I had no idea some of my friends even rode or had street bikes, you know. It's awesome to see us all come together. You know, I can pretty much reach out anytime I'm in, you know, any city and find someone that I could go hang out and ride with, you know. Similar skill levels is something that's you know, fun to go find in another city. You can go, you know, join a Facebook group there or something and be like, hey, anyone want to go do the, you know, this twisty road that I see here and do some wheelies and stuff? And you'll find other people that ride similar to you and, you know, spark your uh, enthusiasm that day. <laughs> and so that's what started the videos, yeah. was finding that group. Yeah. So finding the group made me want to. Um, let others see the riding because oftentimes when we ride in our groups um, a lot of the riders will obey all traffic laws <laughs> and you know when we get out on the twisties I open it up you know even in town I speed a little bit like I said mostly to keep a, keep away from the traffic and stuff um, but oftentimes I'd find myself in front of the pack and no one really gets to see the riding you know there's one or two guys up there with you riding at that pace um, so it's nice to be able to share the footage and let them know, um, you know, what I'm doing up there and how fast that they can go, you know, safely. You know, they see me go around a corner and they look down, you know, it says 130 miles an hour and I'm leaned over and they're like, you can, you can do that? <laughs> you know, they may, might not know that it's even possible, you know, and they're comfortably doing it and I can take a hand off it, you know, and show them that it's totally safe. Um, so then it encourages them to... Um, you know, speak up next time they're riding with me and ask for some tips, you know, like, hey, I saw you uh, do something or whatever, or you always ride with one finger here on the clutch, or yada, yada, you know, and there's a reason for almost everything I do when I ride, you know, so there's tips that I can give, um, you know, even another experienced rider. Um, I think that everyone should always be uh, open to helpful criticism, you know, because it's not always really you know definitely when i give someone pointers it's not to put them down it's to help um, them feel safer and have a better time and enjoy the experience maybe safer you know like i said uh maintaining your bike is part of riding <laughs> something you, you have to know how to do as well as open throttle you know and and turn so knowing how to look for a dangerous situation on your bike is super important and overlooked by so many new riders bald tires leaking fork seals a blown steering damper <laughs> you know um it can happen to the best of us so even an experienced rider you can never look at your bike enough or take tips from someone else enough you know there's always something to learn I've been riding for years and years, and every time I ride, I learn something new. <laughs> every single time, um, there's always another experience and something else that comes to mind. More learning to be had. And so those videos are just kind of you helping share that with everybody. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I'd love, like I said, I'd love to uh, start getting more involved with the audience because what I really want to do possibly is um, even open classes, writing classes, you know, to help people at all different stages of writing, all the way up to stunting you know if someone's i don't want to encourage people to go do wheelies but if someone wants to learn you know I'm the guy to talk to i'll give you all kinds of helpful pointers you know and um i'd like to be able to offer that i wish i could offer it free but you know my time's valuable so it'd be awesome to start a business doing that locally or something or even being able to you know offer people online lessons or something you know because i i do have a, a knack for um seeing people's um 
you know, holdups on their learning um, when it comes to uh, writing. You'll see generally out of my own experience, you know, fears or something that that limits me or I feel capped off at my abilities. Um, I sometimes can help people find uh, a useful tip or way of thinking about it that helps them, you know, leapfrog over that problem that they're having. You know, a lot of people, like for instance, wheelies are afraid when it comes up, you know, getting to balance points are really, you know, it's, it's a whole nother step from doing a wheelie, you know, learning how to maintain a wheelie. Um, so a lot of people can do a wheelie, but not a lot of people can slow a wheelie down, you know, um, and do sustained wheelies. So it, it's just a hinge, hinge people get to it. And sometimes it, they get right past it and other people never can get past that for the rest of their lives and they get locked in and it's disappointing for me to see people assume that they can't because everyone can and a lot of it's just in your mind it's a fear you're you're locking yourself up and not making the right instinct at the right moment you know uh, generally it's the break <laughs> it's always the break <laughs> you do your wheelie if you notice my videos a lot of times i'll pick my wheel up well beyond balance point and slam that brake on and bring that front wheel forward again and i'm actually finding balance point on my drop of my front wheel rather than to pick up a lot of people pick it up uh, personally i want to get over that big fear real quick whip it up beyond balance point hit my brake and already get over the fear right away so now i'm in balance point and totally comfortable and just got it out of the way <laughs> and a lot of people think of it the other way they think of it as oh i'm gonna find balance point as i'm picking up so they're just waiting for the inevitable loop out rather than already get used to using your brake whip it up fast have already have used your brake once in the wheelie it already sets you up to continue to tap it along and then you're just riding the throttle out mm -hmm. okay. so, so you can just ride your throttle i mean the surron in particular has adjustable engine braking um, a lot of new motorcycles do with fuel injection and stuff too um, so I personally don't need to adjust it, but, um, you know, for like someone else who's building a bike, um, or a customer, um, I definitely adjust the engine braking to suit their needs for wheelies. Mostly, you know, a lot of people want to try wheelies with these electric bikes because how easy it is. Um, and just putting a larger rear sprocket and getting people comfortable with that rear brake is so much, you know. I've seen people progress in a week, you know, where they were scared to pick the front wheel up to, you know, going all the way down the block, you know, it's pretty awesome. They, they never expected to be able to, you know, and it's cool to give people tips and to help them leapfrog ahead so that we can all ride together, you know, and enjoy things and learn together. Um, it's fun. I think that would be awesome. We don't have any class. There's nothing like that around here. You just have the, you know, the class to get your license, but they're not really teaching you anything no. substantial. Yeah. You know, I want to teach the fun stuff, not this, not just the safety stuff. I want to teach the stuff that might be difficult, you know, and that might some people frown on it in society still because like snowboards <laughs> just don't know yet that it's safe, you know. Legalize wheelies, come on, guys. <laughs> That's a movement I'm I can get behind. I literally am paying more attention to the road when I'm stunting than I am at any other point traveling in life i walk around with my cell phone out almost walking into telephone poles i drive around listening to music trying to change the song looking out the window one hand on the wheel when i'm stunting i am locked in on 10 things 
at once on the road. I'm focusing on the cars, my how far away I am, who's on the side of the road, what my dangers are. And because of that, I have much less accidents than I would if I was just riding around without stunting, <laughs> without paying attention, just trying to travel. Uh, I only know that because it's when I'm not paying attention and I'm not stunting that I generally have an accident and go yeah. down. I'm not paying attention to the road, hit some gravel. What was I thinking? <laughs> Should have been stunting. Mm-hmm. Should have been stunting. Should have had my finger on that brake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to take up, we've, we've done like hour 45. I don't want to mm-hmm. take up too much of your guys' birthday day. Yep. Um, I'm go where ride. Can, yeah, right? <laughs> where can people find you if they're interested well, in checking out the videos? Shift Like Alex have uh, mentioned a couple times. I got an Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook uh, public page, you know, for my athlete um, career. Uh, I also have another Instagram that goes by Papa Wheelies. I might I might convert that one to being more uh, devoted to the audience, like I said. You know, both the haters and the fans. Get everybody in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I realize the haters are going to be there either way. Like I said, it's about 50-50, so, you know, might as well encourage them. You all come on in to comment all you want. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you both for coming. That was a blast, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah. By the way, the uh, wife has an Instagram, too. She's starting to learn wheelies on her Sir Ron. Okay. She Ron 707 on Instagram. And uh, feel free to like, subscribe. Okay. Well, thank you both. That was a blast, really. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us.